Strong Life Coach podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by Viviana Oropesa. Viviana, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. All right. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. And I want everybody listening in to know exactly who you are. So let me tell them a little bit about you. Viviana Oropesa is the founder and managing attorney of Attorney in Heels. Viviana's practice focuses on helping businesses and families with business counsel and estate planning. Viviana is not only a legal expert, she also has extensive knowledge in other important areas of business and estate planning, including finance, investments, and insurance, which gives her her greater insight into her clients' needs from all angles. In business counsel, Viviana provides legal advice with respect to business startup formation and restructuring, product development and marketing, employment and labor issues, finance, purchasing, manufacturing, distribution and sales, intellectual property and licensing, real estate leasing, purchases and sales, corporate governance, and risk management. So what don't you do? Uh, <laughs> I love it. Now, further, Viviana's estate planning practice is aimed at guiding all her clients through the often confusing maze of financial and legal decisions to help create estate plans that ensure the well-being of families and create and guide businesses on a path of continued success with concise exit planning. Viviana obtained her MBA in finance from the the University of Redlands, and her law degree from California Western School of Law, San Diego. All right, impressive biography. I'm excited to dig in a little bit, explore your journey. Maybe we'll, the first question we'll ask is, what inspired you to become an attorney? I think more than anything else, um, growing up with the lack of knowledge, I've always wanted to gain more and more. And as I got older, I realized that, you know, the power there was in knowing the law. Um, so it was always something that I wanted to be able to do. Um, and obviously, it wasn't an easy path, but I, I kind of stuck with it until I finally got there. Yes, yes. Now, now uh, your, again, your uh, background and your, your experience is so, it's so diverse. It's so unique in that way. I mean, even even your MBA. So t tell me like when you were finishing, so your MBA came before your law degree. Is that right? Yeah. So, so when you're finishing, you know, you, um, your MBA uh, program, how did you decide to go? All right. I finished MBA. Now it's time for law school. How did that come up? Tell me about the process. Tell me what was happening in your world. Well, when I was doing my undergrad, the, the goal was always law school. Uh, However, I didn't get into law school right away. So I um, found myself working at, with an investment advisor and then I got really intrigued by what he was doing and learning numbers and investments. So once I started doing that, uh, I was like, you know, I'm, I've always been the kind of person that goes full blown into what I'm doing. So I was like, MBA in finance, here we come, right? So I applied and I did the MBA in finance and then I became a licensed investment advisor and I worked with entrepreneurs and I worked with families on the financial side of their estate planning, as well as 
with businesses. So it was kind of a, a side, a side career before I eventually took the path of law again. So that's how I ended up doing the MBA. Got it. Okay. Okay. Now, so, and I, I have to ask, okay. So if somebody were to come up to you, cause you know, I don't really ask the question of what would you do differently, you know? Um, but I'm more interested in if somebody was telling you um, for their own journey that they, that they want to finish undergrad, get their MBA and, and then do a law degree. Um, do you advise for that? Do you advise against that? Or tell me your perspective of how you counsel others in, in their path. Like, is it, is it a, the path that you, you took, is that one that you encourage? Uh, I love, you know, everybody has their own path. I mean, with being a Latino lawyer, um, comes a lot of challenges just to get to law school. So a lot of people take different paths and different careers before eventually getting to that goal of getting into law school to begin with. So each path is very personal. And for me, it just happened to revolve around um, investment advising and business and numbers, which is great because it eventually became the foundation for what is my law firm now, because I work with entrepreneurs and I work with families on their estate planning. And I have that background that helps me, you know, get the insight that they need um, to what I'm doing. So for me, it worked. It just depends on, you know, exactly what your goal is eventually, right? Mm, yes. I, I, I think that's, a, that's a, that always a savvy answer I hear from attorneys. Well, it, it kind of depends, you know, like, yeah. it, you know, it, it depends on a, a lot of factors, not just one clear cut counsel or advice or direction that that is provided. No, I, I, I hear that. Yeah, that's a preferred phrase. It depends. And it's because <laughs> every situation is different and unique and we have to be able to acknowledge that. So, mm-hmm. yes. Well, you know, when I listen to your story, I think what, what um, I'm inspired by is the perseverance. I know you, you alluded to it and you mentioned you didn't get into law school right away, but I, what I hear from you is a story of perseverance and not just perseverance, but even almost this, um, this the providence of your journey to, to, to be an investment, to work with entrepreneurs before your law degree, and then to get your MBA, that was, as you mentioned, that was an incredible foundation for your law firm. And it has made you an even more valuable asset to the clients you serve now. It has. And, you know, um, everything, I know it sounds ridiculous, everything happens for a reason, but I think uh, if I wouldn't have had that bump in the road that pushed me into uh, finance, um, I wouldn't have the incredible backing to my law degree that I do now, and I wouldn't have been able to launch my law firm straight out of law school. Um, So, you know, the bump in the road, you know, helped me in the long run. So I'm grateful for it. Yes. And even that detail of launching your law firm right out of law school, uh, a number of attorneys who have done that, it has been one, it's been a leap of faith, but also a leap with a lot of fear. Do you think your background has really helped um, alleviate and maybe even eliminate a lot of the fear in, in moving into your own law firm? Yeah, I mean, launching a law firm is launching a business. So having a business background is incredible. You know, not only having like the legal background to 
you know, start your own law firm, incorporate, do all of your own foundation to what is your law firm. But also if you have uh, a backing in numbers and finance, like I do, like I ran my own numbers. I did my forecasting. I did, you know, I, I just running a business is running a law firm is a business. So, you know, having that background definitely alleviated a lot of the pains. The fear is still there. Um, I think for all of us, the fear is still there because, you know, we didn't work in a large law firm um, before launching, but it doesn't, you know, the, it doesn't change the fear, but it still depends on how who you are. And if you want to keep moving forward, you do. And if you don't, you know, you back out. Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I respect that. I respect it. Now, now, so let me ask with, with all of your, um, um, with all of your experience, how did you end up choosing, um, where you were going to focus in law? Like, how did you decide, you know, your law focus? Yeah. Well, it's organic with my background. You know, I worked with entrepreneurs in the past and I wanted to continue working with entrepreneurs, but on the legal side. And not only that, like I wanted to supplement and bring a lot of what I did in the past into my law practice. So, you know, it was pretty organic. Um, I worked with entrepreneurs doing uh, their business planning. And, you know, now I had the legal background to help them with their foundations. So it, it just felt natural. And the estate planning side as well. You know, I worked with a lot of families and businesses doing estate planning and business sessions. So it also just kind of was like organic to do it. I feel like you're one of those people that people are blessed to have friends like you that have like these multiple gift sets and experiences. And um, yeah, I, I personally, I love it. Um, you know, a lot of lawyers joke and like, oh, oh, I'm a lawyer. I don't know numbers, but like, I'm not that lawyer. Like I know numbers. <laughs> right, 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 right. Now, now, so um, one detail I wanted to ask you about, because you mentioned um, some of the obstacles in getting into law school, that moment you found out that you were in law school, the moment you found you finished your law degree, the moment you found out you passed the bar exam. So uh, tell me about one or even a few of those experiences and what it was like uh, for you to whether to get in, whether to get in, finish law school or to um, find out you passed uh, the bar. Yeah, so I was full blown into my investment advising career when I was studying for the LSAT and trying to get into law school. Um, and it was really just the, one of those, those moments where, you know, uh, you realize that there's still more for you to do and where you are is probably not exactly where you want to be. So, you know, so I was studying for the LSAT while I was still doing my prior career. I was working, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks and I was studying for the LSAT while I was at home with my was what my three-year-old daughter at the time so it was a challenge to do all of it um and when I found out that I had gone into law school I was living um in the Inland Empire up north so I immediately knew I had to move down to San Diego and having the incredibly supportive husband that I do he's just like all right let's go uh, so suddenly, like, we're moving out, we're packing, we're like, you know, it's like, let's go find you an apartment. So it was very exciting. And it was very scary at the same time, because I was making all these life changes at the same time that my father was passing away. So hmm. it was, 
it was a roller coaster to say the least, you know, um, I had, I was in law school a week when my dad passed and then I had to grab all my law books and get on a plane and go to his funeral, fly back and literally like run into class. Um, so it, it was a very emotional time. Um, that's one of the biggest things that sticks with me and it, it's because it was really hard to get there, but I, it meant enough to where I would push myself through, even through like the emotional pain of what I was going through with my family. Mm -hmm. So if I, and, and that was just the beginning of law school. So I kept telling myself, if I could get through that first six months, I can get through anything. Right. Yeah. And in my head, I, from the minute I started law school, I was pictured myself studying for the bar and passing it on the first try. And I just visualized it so that I would like make it so. Yes. I, uh, naturally, as a coach, I'm, I'm huge on uh, visualization and seeing things um, that will come to pass before they do. And, and, and I love hearing that about um, that detail about your story, you know, seeing that happen over and over again yeah. until it did. Of course, you know, you clearly did it and you're here. Um, you know, and another detail you mentioned was your uh, having a, a supportive spouse. And I think that's one of those. People huge. downplay that a lot. You know, it gets downplayed a ton because it's always like, I love being independent. Don't get me wrong. Like, I like, yes, I, you know, being a strong, independent woman is great. But if you have an incredibly supportive spouse, like even better, right? Uh, because I didn't do it alone. You know, I had, I had a spouse in the background and I even, uh, I even had my second child while I was in law school, obviously not on purpose, but because <laughs> that's great. Uh -huh. But um, but it was it it it's what gets you to the finish line, you know. Your husband will make or break you. Like he's either gonna uplift you and push you forward, or he's gonna hold you back. So at the time, it was incredible. You know, I just like made a child and handed it over didn't have to worry about anything like just kept going to law school mm, so let's talk to the podcast listeners for a moment let's talk to the single people in podcast land for a moment yeah. um did you hear did you, did you hear what viviana shared podcast listener she said your husband will make you or break you let, let me let me be clear about this concept um let me encourage you to not settle in who you choose to be your spouse. I believe it's, it's exactly what, what Viviana just shared, but also on the wife side. I believe your yeah. wife will make you or break you. So you heard it here, don't settle. Yeah, I strongly believe that. And you know, um, when I, I read an article that RBG wrote, I don't know, years before her movie came out. And that was, it was like the five things that will make or break a woman's career. And she strongly talked about her husband, you know, and I was like, I couldn't agree more. Like, you know, if I wasn't for the incredible support and, you know, the partnership, you know, the partnership is what's lacking in a lot of relationships. And I was lucky enough to have that. So, mm, yes partnership you know I, I feel like I need a I, I, I don't know if you know this but I, I wrote a book on marriage but I feel like I need to include some of your quotes in the book now in the in the next yeah. edition <laughs> great to add them yeah definitely a partnership and not just a it's definitely a sharing of responsibilities in all aspects right it's not just like you know 
I don't know, like, I, I'm just gonna be honest, like, he was up feeding baby in the middle of the night, like, that shouldn't just be, like, one person's responsibility, right, so, it, you know, it, like, it's a partnership, you help each other out, and you work together to accomplish the goals of the community, right, mm-hmm. because, you know, for the first several years of, uh, of our marriage, you know, I was supporting his career, he was full-blown, football coaching and he's the one that was gone and I was mostly taking care of the baby so it was like now this is my turn mm-hmm. um, so it's, it's a matter of like being there for each other and obviously not making it one-sided but definitely a partnership mm, I love it I love it partnership you know partnership is the way for it to be in marriage I love the concept yeah. now what is what is one common challenge you've seen other attorneys face and what do you think is a great solution to that challenge? I think for attorneys like me who focus on serving the Hispanic community, uh, the culture is a is really hard to to get past. You know, the the culture of like I don't need a lawyer or doing things on your own. I mean, they say that like ultra independence is a trauma response, right? And I think that's really embedded in our culture more than anything else, because we're always, you know, just trying to do everything on our own, never asking for help. And attorneys, that's what we're here for. We're here to help. So uh, getting educating our community to understand that you're either going to pay for it now or you're going to pay for it a lot more in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get past, right, when you're serving the Hispanic community, because we just want to do everything on our own. We don't need it to spend money on lawyers and mm-hmm. you know it's, it's it's hard but if you can just educate i think that's one of the biggest things that helps us get get past those cultural norms i guess mm, wow um i've actually uh i don't recall in my lifetime hearing the concept that you explained of ultra ultra independence is a trauma response i think that is that's profound, um, but then even connecting the concept into the Hispanic community. So I'll tell you a, a brief story. Um, yeah. When so my my mom and I, and I share about her only only for the context of of what I'm about to say um, is uh, so she's a rather successful businesswoman here in in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, she's one of the the millionaires in my circle, and. Which when she saw me, the way I'm building business, I'm doing podcasting, things of that, uh, 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 you know, podcasting. I do a lot of things to collaborate with other people. So I don't really do anything by myself. And my mom, um, she she looked at what I was doing again for her, her successful business lens. She looked at it and went, uh, "Hey, you're not building a business like like a Mexican." And for her perspective, she goes, "You're you're building your business um, like a white man." Which again, which again, it was a fascinating concept because when she's seen business owners over the the, the, the years, she she's assessed how she's seen, um, yeah, the, the the Latinx community, you know, the Latino community, the way they typically build business, and then the way this other culture, you know, the white culture builds business, and she says, no, like you're not doing it the way our people typically do it, which is typically independent back to what you're saying, typically yeah. ultra independent. So anyway, I, what you said speaks a lot of truth in her observation of what um, life is like, but I totally can see how it applies to what you're saying because you as the attorney are there to serve and help, but people have to be open to um, the, to being served 
and receiving help. Open to receiving the help. And, and, you know, the blood, sweat and tears concept is really embedded in our culture about doing it all on our own. And it's because we've endured a lot of struggles. And, you know, when, when you go through those struggles, you start to close off to getting help from others because you think you could do it alone. And um, we have to realize, we have to be a little bit more trusting, I guess, is what I'm mm-hmm. trying to say. Yes, yes. You know, um, after I started to hear that from people, I, I remember another business owner t- told me, he said, you know, and you might have heard it, that concept of like the, the crabs in a bucket um, uh, analogy where it's supposedly, you know, you know, the, the, the white crab, the, the brown, I guess there's the white bucket. There's a, there's a, there's a bucket of crabs with white crabs inside and there's a bucket of crabs of brown crabs inside. But supposedly the, the um, they need to put the, the, his analogy again, not mine, but his, um, they needed to put the lid on, on the white crabs on that bucket because they're going to help each other get up and out. They're going to help each other get uh, to go up and overcome. Um, but then in the the brown crabs, they don't need to put the lid on it because they'll just hold each other back. And it's the analogy back to, you know, the culture of of independent. It's like, Hey, we're not going to help each other. Like if somebody wants to get out on their own, they can, but even the idea of going back to try to help the other ones get out. So it was, it was a, it was a dark, um, analogy, but it does speak to what you're describing uh, from a cultural perspective. It does. Um, and <laughs> I mean, you just see it from like regular family interactions where it's like, if you're doing something that's out of their comfort zone, it, you get criticism for it instead of like encouragement. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, what well, you think you're better than us. <laughs> All right. Um, you just sit there quietly at family dinners. Right. <laughs> It, it is right. But it is though, like, um, you know, and I remember doing the research on my last name and figuring out like, you know, a lot of uh, the people like with, with the Wajardo last name, they were, you know, just um, blue collar workers, you know, worked on, you know, worked on farms. And that's what at least ancestry.com said. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's interesting. I found myself, I, I was hoping to find like really successful people with my last name from the fifties and sixties, but I just didn't see that trend. Um, but it's an interesting thing you brought up with the criticism of, um, people who are striving for more and who, I mean, clearly you are the profile of somebody striving for more, going for the next, you know, whether it's MBA law degree. And of course, with your own business, uh, I, I, you certainly fit that profile. And you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm going to take credit for it. Like I started a cultural trend in my immediate family, although in my extended family, it doesn't apply. Like in my immediate family, like I like my dad didn't believe in us going, you know, getting an education and doing stuff for ourselves. So I left when I was 15, I left home and I ended up doing it on my own. Like I said, you know, (laughs) ultra independence is a trauma response, right? (laughs) So I ended up doing it on my own. And it wasn't until I was like in my early twenties and I was in college and I was getting degrees and I was starting to communicate back with my parents as to what I was doing and they started to see that it was actually something significant and important that I um, I kind of was able to shift um, how they perceived, you know, us, you know, getting an education and, you know, seeking more um, how important it was because even then when I was in college, I went back to visit like a summer with my parents and my 
younger siblings were like in like middle school age, like, and I started talking to them about college and everything they needed to do to be successful. And I just slowly started implanting like what they needed to do. And I will proudly take credit for both my sister and my brother getting college degrees and seeking careers because I I mean, it it got to the point where it was like my brother finished high school and my dad was like, oh, you're fine. Just go get a job kind of thing. Right. And I was like, no, you need to go to college. Mm -hmm. So I, I literally went online and registered him for college and then just told him to show up. Mm. and he showed up and you know to his credit he's the one that put in the work and it was a community college obviously so he put in the work and he did great and then when two years was up I was like hey what are you doing after this Mm. and I happened to be flying into Texas at the time and I um, made him go get a copy of his transcripts and then I did the whole thing for him online to register him for a four-year university And then he showed up and he did his thing. And, you know, two years later, he was graduating from, um, what was it, University of Texas, San Antonio. And um, we literally had to get a rental car to force my dad to show up to his graduation. And when we got there, you know, we're like opening the program and we're like looking for his name and we couldn't find it. And we're like pissed or like, what the heck why isn't his name on here so finally like we scrolled to like the first page and it was like magna cum laude or whatever you call that and my brother was graduating with high honors and it was like what would it like so much potential could have been lost if you if i could didn't wouldn't have had been the pushy sister right Mm. so so yeah, I, I did do kind of a cultural shift in my immediate That's family. Right. And I, you know, I, I will take credit for that because I was on. constantly implanted there. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Take that credit power to you. I think uh, hearing about um, things like that, I think they're incredibly inspiring. And let's talk to the podcast listeners, to the siblings out there. Okay. All right, sibling. Um, sh- Viviana just shared about a cultural shift where think think about this quote podcast listeners a leader knows the way a leader goes the way and and a leader shows the way she went the way for her own education she um so she she knew the way but then she was showing the way for her family and i think that's such a beautiful and powerful thing to give to your siblings so if your parents in this, in this, if your parent may not be the greatest cheerleader for your success and pushing you to the next level, but why don't you, among your siblings, be that cultural shift to urge and to push and to challenge your siblings to go to that next level? And I, I love the lesson, and I, and I just want you, the podcast world, to get it um, and be that uh, inspiration, motivation be that uh, even there's it's almost like this spur in the side of your siblings to um to help them succeed as well i I love the story viviana thanks and i and i think there's a component too of even um, being okay with um with some of the success stories it's 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 interesting thing even in in our in our culture i'm gonna say our culture i'm also you know um, 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 um mexican background 
Um, but um, even um, understanding when and how um, to talk about our success. Because you, you mentioned the detail earlier, you said this idea that, you know, um, sometimes when we talk about our success, we're criticized, right? It's like, oh, well, you think you're all, da, da, da. you know, it's like yeah. now, but I think about the opposite of that. Imagine if successful people never talked about their success. So they never talked about it. And then they never showed people how to get it. But when you talk about your success and then you're willing to help other people get it, to me, I, I think that's more of a service. You're serving people by letting them know what you've att attained or achieved, what you've accomplished. Right. But then you're also willing to help other people to get to achieve and accomplish the same thing. So to me, I, I think um, there's great power in sharing your success stories so that you can help other people as well. And I think that's, that's pivotal in our culture. Yeah, definitely. And I'm always that person, right? Like if I'm sitting, I don't know, in an airport somewhere and people start talking to me about like their dreams, I'm like, you could do it. Let's look it up. What can we do next? <laughs> I am definitely that person. I've always been that person, you know, with as many people as I can um, in our family, siblings, you know, my nieces, nephews, so, you know, I try. And yeah. there's some people that, that will do it and some people that won't, but I always try to at least allow them to get beyond the, you know, the limiting beliefs of what they can accomplish, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, you're speaking my, you're speaking my coach language now, limiting beliefs. Yeah. Um, we all have them and we all need people like you who are encouraging us to move beyond them. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. I mean, even, even now, like I still have my struggle with them. Like I have to push myself beyond certain things to keep reaching. Um, it, it's, it will be a constant struggle, but it should always be something that we have to make ourselves uncomfortable. I'm always about making myself uncomfortable. Yes. And it's like, is this going to make me uncomfortable? Then I'm going to do it. Right. <laughs> I love it. And by the way, um, you, uh, on top of your impressive biography, you could add coach in there. You can add motivational speaker in there. Cause I, I could already tell you have the, the gift. And when I, I know the, the gifts that I have as a coach and as a speaker, and I know, and I also easily perceive it when I see it in other people, but you, you also have very much have the gift of a coach and the gift of a speaker. Oh, thank you. So let's talk a little bit more about this idea of um, some of the success you've had and, and, and how that can be helpful for other people. So um, I want to ask you about what has been the best way for you to expand your client base as a law firm, a lot of law firm owners are out there and that's like the number one problem that they, they have when they first start. We just, you know, uh, which it, almost every business owner, it's like, how do I get clients? How do I get more clients and how do I um, keep them coming in? So what's your advice or guidance to, to what's helped you um, to establish um, and expand your client base? For me, I think, I mean, beyond branding, because I think branding is pretty powerful, which is why I established attorney in heels um but beyond that i think it's just being yourself uh when i first you know started law school and when i finished law school you know that they, they constantly ingrain in you this type of person that you have to be in society to be this attorney and they constantly remind you 
that you are, you hold a certain stature in society that most people don't. And with that comes a lot of elitism, like I think it does personally. And, you know, they, it's almost like you're expected to go out there and, you know, the only photos you can take are in a suit behind a bookcase, right? And for me, you know, when I first started my law firm, I kind of was in that direction. And then I was, then finally I was like, fuck it, let's throw it out the window. Because <laughs> if I started my own law firm, it was to do it by my own rules, right? And I think bringing your, bringing yourself to what you do is super powerful. And, and I think that's what's worked for me, you know? People don't just see me as a lawyer, they see me as a person. And they, they say that people do business with people they like, know, and trust. And if you're a likable person, don't hide that, <laughs> you know, be yourself. And, you know, I, you know, bring yourself to what you do so that people can, you know, feel comfortable with you and identify with you and make them comfortable enough to do business with you. And I, and I, and for me, like my culture, I have to, we do a lot of code switching as Latinos, right? Like we go into a certain room and we like switch over into this different character, right? But for me, it's always, you know, like I have to let that, I have to let that little Latina girl out that has mm. fun. Yeah. <laughs> that's what people connect with. And when you're doing business with Latinos, they want to know that you understand. Them. So just bring yourself to it. And then I've been pushing that through, of course, the different social media platforms, who I am, what I do, and then just bring in my own flair to it. And I think that's, for me, that's been helping. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I love the notion. Um, and it's 100% true. I mean, when I um, I, I was just, I was doing some posting this past weekend on, on, on Instagram, and I was, uh, I was curious because um, somebody on LinkedIn messaged me and said, "Hey, how are you getting these attorneys to interview? Like, how, what's the trick? You know, like there's uh, and um, is this was a guy? He's he's very much in, he's a very salesy kind of kind of person. And uh, I told him I let him interview me or whatever. We'll we'll talk more. But I figured on Instagram I would actually ask the attorneys, just get, hey, give me perspective. Like, why did you say yes to an interview? And I just asked that question." And it came back to what you're talking about because it was this idea that they kept saying over and over again, oh, you're genuine, you're sincere, you're genuine, you're genuine. Like over and over again, people were saying that, but it's, it's and it's, it's interesting. Like that was more, what you just described, being myself, being okay with me. So for me personally, sometimes because of my faith-based background, sometimes I'll talk about it. It's not overbearing or like suffocating to people, but it's a part of me. So at times I'll bring it up, I'll quote a verse, but then other times I'm talking about business and talking about money. But I, I, I relate 100% to what you're saying. And I want to talk to our business owners who are, are in the space of, of figuring out how to, how to bring more clients in. There's the only one you in the entire universe Yes. And as Viviana was talking about, be okay being you and bringing you into your business. And that's going to attract the kind of people you want anyway. Um, people who respect you and like you for being yourself. Anyway, I, uh, I think you and I might be able to do a whole podcast on that one question. What do yes, you think? I agree. Um, definitely bring yourself to the table because they're doing business with you, you know, so mm -hmm. just be yourself. Yes. 
you know, I, I'll tell you one other story that you reminded me of. Um, another, an, an attorney who is having a few fears, you know, with, hey, like, how much do I talk about my faith? Do I never talk about it? And I, and, and, she, and she even was, went the next and she said, you should maybe not talk about yours as much. And I was like, look, whatever I'm doing is working. <laughs> like, like, um, so I'm not going to stop doing what's working. Um, but this is a, a faith-based person talking to a faith-based person. And I was like, like, look, um, if anything, I'm just okay being me. Um, and, but it was interesting as some, other people's fears are, as you mentioned, limiting beliefs are playing a role in their world, how sometimes they could want to impose those again, fears, probably from even a good place. Like she was legitimately trying to say, Hey, maybe like, um, you know, never mention it or something, but it's like, yeah, like this, it's a part of me. I don't talk about it all the time, but I do talk about it sometimes. Yeah. And I I've gotten a lot of, I've gotten a lot of shit from people obviously for attorney and heels. And then of course, if you go through my Instagram and through my various posts, like, you know, everybody so often I have got like a sexy post in there to trigger the algorithm. And, <laughs> and I don't, you know, I own it. Like I have no problem with it. So obviously do, yeah, I do get some criticism, but, but you're right. It's other people imposing their own, like, I guess, what is it? Like when they put their own fears on you, um, mm, that's, all, mm. that's all it really is. So you just got to get, ignore it and continue to do what works for you. Mm, yes. Yes. Okay, now related to all of this, tell me what advice would you offer? And maybe it's related to what we're just talking about or not, but what advice would you offer someone who's just starting their career as an attorney? Uh, Definitely to not give up. I know that sounds super cheesy and like typical, but it really is, it's really a long road. If you're going to become an attorney, it's going to be it's going to be a really long road and you just have to be willing to trek through it the best way that you can uh you will face challenges you will trip and fall flat on your face but if you stick with it and if you're committed to it like they say if you really want it you're going to get it right so you really got to want it because it's torturous i'm sure you have talked to other attorneys and tell you that it's torture to just get to the point where you are an attorney and, and it's true. It really is. You got to really want it. Otherwise you don't put up with the torture. So mm. just stick with it. Mm. I think you're the first person who described it as that, that way, but people have, have described it as challenging as difficult, but I think the element of, um, of torturous, um, I think that's, you're the first person to use that specific word um, to describe it. But I think there's, I think there's always something inspiring about a story of perseverance and endurance you know your story right like a child in law school kept going didn't let that hold you back your father you know you, you're losing him um in the you know early in law school not letting that hold you back and, and, then, and then you allowing that to be something that empowered you of if i went through that and came out on the other side and i finished that first semester if I, if I went through that, then surely whatever I face moving forward will not be that bad. But anyway, I'm, I'm just, I think you're a story, you're a testament, uh, a testament to perseverance and endurance and your advice of don't give up because at times it's torturous are yeah. very much aligned. Yeah. And, and the only reason I use that word is because, you know, just from my own personal experience, when 
for myself and for other um, classmates at the time, it was like somebody in your family died. They don't care. They're either you either keep going or you drop out. And those are the options they give you. So, um, so yeah, torturous because does it like you either do or you don't, and that those are your options, and and you take them or you leave them. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Now, now, um, what has helped you establish work-life balance as an attorney? Work-life balance. I mean. I, I have a husband, like, do I really need work-life balance? (laughs) Like, no, seriously. Like if you have a real partner, like you don't have to be the woman who's balancing it all. I I just, that's just the truth. If you have a person who's a true partner, you, you're not balancing things. You're sharing responsibilities. Um, And I think more than anything else, that's really important. So yeah, we're balancing things with each other, but like, I'm not over here like being tortured by the kids and dealing with everything on top of running my career and my law firm. You know, it's like a sharing of responsibilities. Mm. Right? Yes. Yes. I get I mean it goes back to what you're the principle we were talking about earlier of choosing that spouse, choosing being careful, being cautious, being uh, purposeful, being intentional, you know, any of those adjectives, be that in choosing your spouse, because that's going to impact that your, your peace of mind or your overall effectiveness is what I'm hearing from you. Um, as you share responsibilities, as you go through life together. Yeah, definitely. And for those people who are scared to like get married while they're like in the middle of their careers or like they're too young, like, obviously those are, those are, you know, fears that we all have, like, you know, should I really get married when I'm not done with my career? Well, you know, it's different for different people, but you know, I, I was able to do it with him as opposed to by myself, which I initially did want to do. I, I initially was like, man, like, let me throw you off to the side and do this on my own. But I soon realized that he wasn't going to hold me back. So just let him be along for the ride. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. Uh, great insight. Now, Viviana, let me ask you, if someone was listening into this podcast and, and, they, and they were inspired by you, they were encouraged by you, and they said, you know what, we want to help Attorney in Heels, we want to help Viviana, wh- what can they do to help you, to support you? Um, wh- wh- what would that be for them? Uh, well, they could definitely um, follow me on my various social media platforms. I'm at Attorney in Heels on all social media platforms. I'm also on LinkedIn, which is a little bit more boring, but feel free to share my content. I put out a lot of legal tips um, on Instagram and on Facebook. So feel free to share my content or, you know, reach out to me. I I welcome DMs to a certain extent. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I have an open communication with the people that follow me. So you feel free to reach out to me and I'm easily accessible also through my website, attorneyheels.com. And you can get on my calendar there if you wanted to speak to me or you want to refer people over to my website to get in touch with me. So mm-hmm. I'm a little I'm a little bit, you know, embedded in all the various places so I can be easily found. Very good. Very good. So podcast listeners, let's do our part too. 
uh, to follow her, to engage with her content, to share her content. So that might be going on Instagram and going to her profile grid and sharing one of her posts into your story or going over to Facebook, give her the five-star review on, on the business page. Um, but yes, uh, let's do our part to uh, show our gratitude for her spending time with us today. Um, and, and, uh, and, and also, you know, connect with, uh, connect with people over to her website. But let me ask you about that, that, that referral concept, Viviana. If someone in a similar way, they were listening to the episode and, and they can, if they could connect you with your perfect referral partner, who would that partner be? Where would they be? And what do they do? My referral partners are definitely um, people who deal with entrepreneurs in one way or the other. You know, I mean, I love entrepreneurs and, and the roller coaster that we are on and I, um, I love helping them. So anyone who works with entrepreneurs uh, like that is my ideal referral partner because they're the people that I serve um, and I, I just love connecting with them. So, mm, yes. Okay. When you shared that, the immediate thoughts that went through my mind were like the, 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 some of the, um, maybe some of the executives on the chambers of commerce, you know, in California or, or, um, or even different presidents of like BNI chapters, those people that are connected with business owners and, uh, referral groups, uh, those sound like great people to connect you to. Yes, definitely. All right. Last question of our time together. If, if I don't, if we, I don't think of anything else creative along the way. Um, what are your favorite qualities of your favorite people? Favorite qualities of my favorite people. I love ambition more than anything else. People who have great ambition, I, I've always driven towards them. Um, definitely people who push through, push through life and don't make excuses. I don't know. I, I love that. I guess it's because I, I see myself in them, right? And then, but definitely like no excuses, no bullshit ambition. Like I love that in people. Come on. All right. Let's be friends. Let's be. <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, I, I love it. Um, I, I love ambition. I love seeing people um, I, I, I read a quote the other day in Napoleon Hill's uh, book, Thinking Grow Rich. He said, only 2% of the people he's ever seen know what they want and have a plan for what they want. And when I hear you talk about ambition, I think about those 2% of people who know what they want from life and then they, they create a plan. And they proactively work through that plan, even when obstacles come up, as you mentioned, who push through it, make no excuses, but they persevere and endure to work that plan in route to their goals. That's anyway, that's what, that, that's what you made me think about. And, and I love yeah, the concept. And I love that book too. Like, I, I always think about like, when, when it's painful, like when the entrepreneurship road is a little painful, like I think of that part of the book where he talks about, you know, you're like, was it like two feet away from gold? And it's like, don't mm. stop two feet away from gold. <laughs> yes, don't stop two feet away from gold. If you haven't read the book, go read the book. If you're not a big reader, go to chapter two and, and it, it, it contains the six steps to follow that the whole book is based around. And that'll be just enough if you can proactively implement 
the six steps in chapter two. Um, but yes, uh, don't stop when you're only two feet away when you're digging for gold. I love the concept. Uh, Viviana, thank you um, so much for spending some time with me today on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been fun. All right. Well, I'm glad we were able to connect. Um, podcast listeners, uh, we want to thank you. Um, again, go connect with all of uh, Viviana's content. Be a great um, encouragement to her. Express your uh, your gratitude for her for, for joining me on the show. Also, go over to the, to the Apple Podcasts app. Give it the five-star review over there. Subscribe, and we'll connect with you on the next episode. Thank you.